And thanks so much for being with us again for the Twins Weekend Wrap. Derek Hansen with you, along with the television play-by-play voice for the Minnesota Twins, Dick Bramer. I should say the first-place Minnesota Twins, Dick. That sounds so nice, doesn't it? It sure does. They've uh, had a tough schedule with the uh, off days and the weather issues. They've played some good teams, and they'll be playing a good one here in Houston. But, yeah, so far, so good. It's been a good start to the season. This lineup is scary. I mean, when's the last time we can say, man, one through nine, I would not want to be a pitcher against this ball club right now. Yeah, of course, they had the big day, the doubleheader day on uh, Saturday when they hit 11 home runs, which is incredible. But I think, you know, baseball fans will acknowledge that the the way that they won Sunday was even more impressive because, hey, you win 11 games or you hit 11 home runs in two games, you should win them both. But to not hit a home run on Sunday and still win that ball game uh, probably is more significant. They they they're a lineup that, as we've discussed before, should score in excess of 800 runs. And when you do that, if you pitch at all, you stand a chance of being a really good team. When you look at it too, to think that Miguel Snow could come back here in the month of May, and I think a lot of people are saying, "Where are they going to plug him in?" They'll find a spot for him, but he just adds another threat, and you know behind. Crone and Cruz and Rosario right now. That's that's a nice thought. Yeah, and that's where the acquisition of Marwin Gonzalez has been so key for this team because uh, offensively he's recovering from a slow start, but defensively he's just been outstanding at third base, which allows the Twins now to take their time with Sano, make sure that he's ready, and instead of having you know whatever the number is uh, in, in terms of minor league Triple A at bats. Uh, they've got the luxury of you know letting him get a little more time down there so that when he does come up to the big league club, he's ready to go. I always have talked about the fact that when I was a kid, especially in 1991 when I was just graduating from high school, but I would never go away when I heard you say, coming up in the lineup, it's uh, Puckett, Herbeck, and Chili Davis. I'm like, uh-oh, I better not miss a thing here. And we're kind of getting that way with the middle part of the lineup. Am I being a little too bold here? But that's just the type of threat that they have. No, but and then when you figure where uh, Sano is going to join this lineup, you know, the, the really good teams, and we've had a lot of them, you know, here in the, the upper Midwest with the Twins, uh, is when it, it really, you've got to, <laughs> you've got to uh, figure out it's a tough decision to make when you want to leave the television or the radio or the ballpark to tend to whatever uh, other matters you might have. The length of the lineup is what really is going to carry this Twins ball club. But you're right. Rosario's off to a great start. Crone is doing really well. Polanco had a you know awful series in in Baltimore, and they still you know scored an abundance of runs. Um, and Kepler didn't play at all in Baltimore, so it gives you some idea, uh, certainly how bad Baltimore is, but it also gives you another idea who or how deep this lineup is. And they should, when if they can stay healthy. They get everybody back healthy. They should have one of the more potent lineups in all of the American League. Well, you mentioned him too, Dick. Uh, whenever you say Eddie Rosario is coming up, I am not leaving. I mean, he is such such a thrill to watch right now. Well, uh, both uh, both sides of the ball, if yeah. you uh, can use a football term. I mean, the play he made yesterday in the ninth inning, uh, it's always been a pet peeve of mine that the the highlight shows, you know, when they show great defensive plays, uh, they're always, you know, an out is recorded. It's a great throw or a great catch. But the play he made, in the ninth inning yesterday, cutting the ball off before it hit the wall in the corner and awkwardly but yet strongly and accurately through to the cutoff man, that was one of the best defensive plays I've ever seen a left fielder make, 
and it ultimately saved the game for the Twins. They won the game because of that play, and and he's a talent out in the field. You know, we've seen the great catches. We've seen the strong and accurate arm. We've obviously seen the home runs in bunches. And you put him in the same outfield with Byron Buxton. Now that Buxton is uh, looking like he's getting locked in once again, uh, then you've got a really, really good outfield and something that makes it fun for everybody to watch. Yeah, you bring up a great point there because that was a game-saving play. And we'll talk so much about you know Taylor Rogers coming in a tough spot and Hildenberger coming in a tough spot. But if it's not for that defensive play, we're not talking about the sweep. Well, and it's all, you know, when we talk about the great athletic outfield, it's all interlocked, isn't it? I mean, you've got Buxton in center with his tremendous speed. So that allows Rosario to play a little bit more over to the corner and Kepler, Cave, whoever's in right field. And so without Buxton in center field, maybe Rosario is a step or two more to the center field side in left field. Maybe he can't cut that ball off. But because Buxton's there, Rosario can cheat a little bit more to the line. He's able to make a tremendous play, hold the runner at third base, and the Twins get out of there with a one-run win. It was really a phenomenal play. And as soon as I see Eddie at the ballpark today, I'm going to tell him that's one of the best plays I've ever seen a left fielder make. Speaking of you know defensive plays that may go under the radar, Williams Asadio had some pretty big plays defensively as a catcher yesterday. We think about all this, the just the the character that he is and the way that he goes about it offensively. But boy, I thought he was a big factor in yesterday's game too. Yeah, and the whole uh, structure of the roster really came into play when um, you know fans don't want to hear it. I don't suppose, but you know it was a tough grind. They had. They had to play three games in 24 hours because of the uh, doubleheader that started uh, late afternoon on uh, Saturday and then a night game Saturday and a 1 o'clock game on Sunday. So the structure of the roster with three catchers really came in handy. As a result, you know, Jason Castro, Mitch Garver, whoever's going to catch tonight, uh, you know, they'll be just a little bit fresher because Ostadillo's on the roster and he's, we've seen him at third base, we've seen him at first base, we've seen him behind the plate. And, and, you know, in this day and age when there's 12, sometimes even 13 pitchers on a team, uh, you've got to be a baseball player. If you're going to be a reserve player, you've got to be able to do more than one thing. And, and boy, he's got to be fun for, uh, you know, Rocco Bedelli because, you know, and it's always a good problem to have is when you don't know when to sit a guy, right? I mean, that, that's what the kind of the problem is. And when Snow comes back, it's not going to be any better. Yeah, they're going to have to, you know, find room for Sano, and that's going to cost them somebody. Uh, off the roster, either through a demotion or you know being lost on waivers, I doubt that it would be Ostadio. You know, Byron Buxton in yesterday's game hit a double, advanced to third on a short fly ball, and then it scored again on a shorter fly ball. And, and Buxton uh, got and deserved a lot of credit for creating that run. But Ostadio was the guy who you know put the ball in play that got him in from third base, and you know the Orioles absolutely had to have a strikeout there. And Ostadio doesn't do that. You know, he put the ball in play and he got just enough of it to push the fly ball into the outfield. And so Buxton came home. But if that was anybody else on the Twins roster, they would have been much more susceptible to a strikeout. And then maybe the Twins don't get that run. But when you've got a guy, at least one guy in the lineup that refuses to strike out every once in a while, that talent alone you know, can lead to scoring a run, and that's what happened yesterday. All right, hang on, Dick. We'll have part two coming up after KFGO News and CBS News at the uh, top of the hour. Derek Hansen with you. 
Again, Dick Bramer is brought to you by Jefferson Lines, your number one bus experience for over 100 years serving North Dakota and cities throughout the Midwest. We'll wrap up the Drive Time News Hour here on the Mighty 790 KFGO. Derek Hansen with you, Couch Potato Radio with Dick Bramer, our weekly Twins Weekend Wrap, and also looking ahead to the week that is coming up here. Sponsored by Jefferson Lines. Jefferson Lines, your number one bus experience for over 100 years, serving North Dakota and cities throughout the Midwest. Talking a little bit about the uh, pitching, and like you said, a lot of runs are going to help out this pitching, but I thought Kyle Gibson did a nice job. Oda Rizzi tonight. I mean, they just have to grind through it, right? Yeah, and, you know, the biggest question I think right now, and you see it uh, all over baseball, you know, is this team deep enough when it comes to starters? Because right now they've only needed five, but at some point, maybe as soon as Wednesday, they'll need a six starter because of the rain out and the doubleheader. Uh, somebody's going to start on, on Wednesday that hasn't started before. So, you you, you know, the, the success or failure of the rotation goes beyond the five guys. So there, there are going to be some other opportunities for Zach Littells of the world and people like that. But so far, so good. The starting five has been healthy and they've, for the most part, given the twins, you know, a representative start and a good chance to, to win a ball game. As far as uh, it's too bad that we most likely won't see Brios. It's still up in the air about Wednesday, but uh, that would have been a fun matchup Wednesday. Maybe they will pitch him on short rest. I doubt it, but Verlander and Brios Wednesday could have been a lot of fun. Yeah, and whoever's going to start that game has got a tough mound opponent in Verlander, and I was looking forward to it. Without the rainout in Baltimore, it would have been Brios. Because of the rainout, it won't be Brios. We don't know whether they're going to have an opener and start and you know, make it a bullpen game. A lot of that depends on what happens tonight and tomorrow night. But um, yeah, it's, it would have been a marquee matchup. And you know what we've seen from Jose when he's matched up against uh, the elite teams on the big stage in New York, in Puerto Rico, or in this case, it would have been, you know, against a premier uh, mound opponent, he can elevate his game. So that would have been something to watch, but it won't happen this time around. You know, you mentioned a bullpen game, and that could happen. I, it, the biggest question coming into this season has been the bullpen, but, boy, the way that Tildenberger's been able to come in and get out of some jams, I like May when he's able to get on. I mean, he had a little tough day yesterday, but all in all, I have to give this a bullpen at least a B, B minus. I mean, they, I, they've been pretty good, I think. Well, what Taylor Rogers did in Baltimore is remarkable because – uh, Blake Parker wasn't available because of a stomach bug that he encountered. We hope he's available tonight. Taylor Rogers, you know, pitched two innings in the opener on Saturday and was lights out in his second inning and then came back on Sunday and gutted through it. You know, bases loaded. It was a 3-0 count, uh, you know, and you really find out, you know, what you have in a pitcher. I mean, he was up against it. There was, you know, it was a one-run ball game and bases were loaded. They intentionally walked the guy ahead of him to, you know, have him pitch to uh, Severino, who ended up flying out on a 3-1 pitch. But, you know, it was a just a nice snapshot right there in that situation, a nice snapshot of what the Twins have in Taylor Rogers, And he came back and got the last out. So probably not available tonight. But you're right, the bullpen generally has been good. I think there's room for improvement from, like, Trevor May and guys like that. Uh, Ryan Harper, who has stepped up as a non-roster invitee out of spring training, and really pitched some big innings as well. So far, so good. I think you can look at the Twins' bullpen, uh, and if you paid attention over the last couple of years, you've seen all those guys now succeed at one point or another, 
and you hope that they can continue to do so and, and ride this thing out through the season. As far as this ballpark, do you like the Houston Astros ballpark? It's uh, got a roof. I mean, that's one thing that we always talked about during the stadium debates in the late 90s To as far as a retractable roof goes. And it, it always has been kind of a launching pad, hasn't it? Well, it has been, and the hitters prefer to have the roof closed. Uh, we've got, I think, just ideal weather here at least today, I think tomorrow and Wednesday as well. So if they don't have the roof open here, somebody's going to want their money back for having a roof because it, uh, I don't. I know we've been here with the roof open when we've been here early in the year. Uh, in the summertime, because of the heat and the humidity, they're generally uh, thunder showers that bubble up uh, late in the afternoon, much like uh, they do in Florida. So here, uh, this uh, you know three-game series, I hope we'll have the roof open. Uh, you know, it'd be nice to have retractable roofs everywhere, but the fact of the matter is, Derek, when you look at who has the roofs, you know, it's it's almost, you know, there's hardly any in the middle of the country. You know, I mean, Milwaukee's the yeah. only one of the 10 Central Division teams in the two leagues that has a roof, and you could argue those 10 teams probably need it more than anybody else. The one thing I do like about Target Field, and I, you've been to more ballparks than I have anyway, it, it kind of gives you that airplane hangar look that can open up. It is a ballpark at Target Field. What's your take on that? Yeah, I you know I really don't care for Miller Park to be honest with you because even when the roof is open, uh, at least I feel very enclosed. And the beauty of Target Field, and when it's thirty-five degrees or eighty-five degrees, uh, it's open air. There's there's no hint of uh, uh, you know being anything other than outside in the elements. Uh, that's both good and bad as we have come to learn. But I, I really don't like Miller Park at all because of that. Uh, you know, the retractable roof that they have there. And even when the roof is open, you get the sense that you're still indoors. Yeah, the Diamondback Stadium is kind of like that too a little bit, isn't it? I, I was, yep. I, I've been in that, and that, that just that was a weird feeling. <laughs> it was nice and all, but it was and it was so, I don't know, very Metrodome-like when it was closed. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how many Twins fans are like me, but I, you know, even if it's cold, and we've certainly had, you know, miserable weather to get the home season started, even when it's cold, I'd much rather be outdoors than indoors. I, I've spent enough time indoors in, you know, December, January, and February. So, you know, all right, let's play baseball. Let's do it outside. And, and, and I know, you know, in your market, you know, it's frustrating for fans because they can no longer count on a game being played like they could at the Metrodome. But, boy, once the game is played, to me, it's a whole lot better experience uh, for the fans and the broadcasters and the players, too, to be outside. Yeah, that's what I always tell Dave St. Peter, too. It was one thing to go to a, a game at the uh, at the old Metrodome. Now it's an experience at a ballpark. It's the biggest difference for me when I head on there, that is for sure. Uh, Jake Odorizzi, Absolutely. Yeah, Jake Odorizzi tonight, uh, I like what I'm seeing from him so far. He's got a tough uh, opponent with Peacock and the Astros, so this should be a good one tonight. Yeah, he's uh, Jake's had a tough break uh, when it comes to the weather because just about every time he's gone out there, it's been miserable. He won't have that issue, roof or not, tonight. Uh, so I'm looking forward to him having a really good uh, outing. The Twins are going to face Peacock tonight. Uh, they won't have to face Garrett Cole, which is good. When you think of the Astros' rotation, it's obviously very good, but you predominantly think about Verlander, and at least this time around, they'll miss Cole. They'll get both of them when the uh, Astros come uh, to Minnesota in a week. Very good. Looking forward to it. Enjoy the call tonight. One last thing for you. Boy, 
I thought I was, you know, new baseball a little bit, but uh, hearing you and along with Jim Cotton, Burt, holy cow. I mean, <laughs> there is some knowledge up there over the weekend. Yeah, what's wrong with that picture? Here I am with the winningest right-hander and the winningest left-hander in Twins history, but it was a delight to work with Jim again. He and I were broadcast partners years ago. Uh, it been 26 years since we had worked together, and you know he's so knowledgeable. And for somebody who's old enough, as I am, to remember the very early years of Twins baseball, he's got so many fan- uh, fascinating stories to tell about you know moving from Washington, D.C. to Minnesota in 1961 and some of the people and games and seasons and all that. So we're really happy to have Jim back on the broadcast team. Yeah, a lot of fun, that is for sure. Dick, enjoy it. Thanks so much, as always. Do appreciate it, appreciate it and uh, looking forward to talking to you again next uh, Monday, I should say. Yep, you got it. All right, Dick Bramer with us, play-by-play voice for the Minnesota Twins on the television side, brought to you by Jefferson Lines, your number one bus experience for over 100 years serving North Dakota and cities throughout the Midwest. Derek Hans with you, wrapping up Couch Potato Radio Twins Baseball, coming up shortly here on the Mighty 790.